If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share us and subscribe so you don't miss our next show. We'd love to talk with you again. Jim Jordan took his show to the House floor Tuesday in an attempt to secure the position as Speaker of the House. He was not successful. Democratic nominee Hakeem Jeffries secured the full support of his party, earning 212 votes. Jordan could only pull together 200 from his fractured party. It had been theorized that he would skip over more in-conference voting with the Republicans to ensure that he had the support before going to the floor for a real vote to unmask his opposition, and that is exactly what he did. In the days preceding the vote, Jordan had met with unsupportive members individually to try and gain their support. His allies outside the body had also been threatening the holdouts with political consequences if they didn't support Jordan, and even Sean Hannity and staff were emailing representatives demanding comments. Despite Jordan's efforts to convince his fellow Republicans, and even with pressure on his behalf by former Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Acting Speaker Patrick McHenry, Jordan came up short. A strong Jordan supporter, Gus Bilirakis of Florida, was not on the floor to cast his vote because he was attending his mother-in-law's funeral. It wouldn't have turned the tide anyway, as 20 Republicans would not vote for Jordan. The following seven members voted for Steve Scalise. Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida, Tony Gonzalez of Texas, Kay Granger of Texas, Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania, John Rutherford of Florida, Mike Simpson of Idaho, and Steve Womack of Arkansas. The following six members voted for Kevin McCarthy, Don Bacon of Nebraska, Lori Chavez de Raymer of Oregon, Carlos Jimenez of Florida, Jennifer Kiggins of Virginia, Mike Lawler of New York, and Doug LaMalfa of California. There were some other names in the mix as well. Indiana's Victoria Sparts voted for Thomas Massey. Michigan's John James voted for Tom Cole. Jake Elsey of Texas voted for his fellow Appropriation Committee member, Mike Garcia. Ken Buck of Colorado did not vote for his Freedom Caucus comrade, Jordan, but instead for Minnesota's Tom Emmer, Majority Whip, and a name that was floated early on in the search for a new speaker. New York reps Anthony D'Esposito, Andrew Garbarino, and Nick Lalata voted for former New York representative and failed New York gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin. Zeldin lost his race against Democrat Kathy Hochul last year, but did surprisingly well in the blue state. D'Esposito and Lalata, you may remember, are part of a coalition of New York Republicans that are trying to expel controversial fellow Republican and Truth Challenge member George Santos. Of that group, three reps, Anthony D'Esposito, whose district Biden won by 15 percentage points, Mike Lawler, and Brandon Williams had their seats named Vulnerable in a May 2023 article by Roll Call. In that same article, California reps John Duarte and Mike Garcia and Oregon's Lori Chavez DeRamer were also deemed weak. With DeRamer joining the three named New York Republicans in opposing Jim Jordan, it's fair to ask if their vulnerability at home is the reason why they oppose the device of Jordan in his desire to take the gavel for himself. The motivation for the opposition of the conservative, quote, warrior, Gus Bilirakis' words, not mine, run the gamut. Centrist Republicans are not enthusiastic about such a firebrand being the face of their party in the House. Some are still furious about the way the hardliners unseated former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and then undermined previous nominee Steve Scalise, and won't reward their leader with the power he craves. The House Appropriations Committee came out strong against Jordan, with seven members led by committee chair Kay Granger of Texas voting against him. 
Six of the seven votes for Steve Scalise Tuesday came from members of that committee, and member Jake Elsey voted for his fellow committee member, Mike Garcia. Garcia voted for Jordan. The continuing resolution on the federal budget that averted a government shutdown is counting down to its expiration on the 17th of November, and it's possible the House's top appropriator doesn't think Jordan can get them across the finish line. After the vote, Jim Jordan held meetings in the Speaker's and Majority Whip's offices. In one meeting, Jordan asked failed nominee Steve Scalise to give a nomination speech for him, but Scalise refused. The next vote was scheduled for Wednesday, with some holdouts suggesting they could be influenced to switch their votes, such as Doug LaMalfa and John James, but some were unwavering. Carlos Jimenez, who has made it clear since the ousting of Kevin McCarthy that he does not agree with what's happening, has again affirmed he would never vote for Jordan. GOP sources said the opposition could increase rather than decrease, as some who voted for him only pledged to do so on the first ballot. Another day, another vote. In the time between the first vote and the second, things got increasingly nasty. As previous, Jordan supporters continued to apply pressure to the opposition lawmakers, pressure that ramped up quickly to harassment of family members and then actual death threats. Nebraska's Don Bacon, who voted for Kevin McCarthy in the first round of voting, provided copies of texts and phone messages his wife had received with an anonymous person saying reprehensible things about her husband. Reports are she had some spicy comments for the caller. Good for you, Mrs. Bacon. Representative Bacon did say she slept Thursday with a loaded gun. Arkansas's Steve Womack said his staffers were being cussed out over the phone by Jordan supporters, and Carlos Jimenez reported his constituents were being bombarded with pro-Jordan robocalls. The most egregious so far was the threatening phone calls to include death threats Iowa Rep. Marionette Miller-Meeks received. She said, one thing I cannot stomach or support is a bully, and she won't be intimidated. Ken Buck, a rather unique member who voted to oust McCarthy but has not voted for Jim Jordan in the past two rounds, even though he is a House Freedom Caucus member, citing Jordan's 2020 election denier status, has also had death threats and a barrages of angry calls. One of his state offices was also served an eviction notice because, quote, the landlord is mad with my voting record on the speaker issue. It wasn't clear if the vacating of McCarthy or the lack of support for Jordan was the issue. Some in Colorado's Republican Party are moving against Buck as well. Former candidate for governor Heidi Gahanel tweeted out Buck's office number and urged people to call. The state GOP has sent out a letter saying, quote, it wholeheartedly supports Jordan and ended with, you are welcomed and encouraged to let your voices be heard. With numbers of all three of the state's representatives, Doug Lamborn and Lauren Boebert support Jordan. Jim Jordan claimed he was not behind this campaign and called out in a post on his ex-account for it to stop. Maybe he really doesn't know. But he is known to be described as a bully. He supports and is supported by former President Trump, who is a bully. Full stop. Whether he directed these actions against his fellow members or not, Jordan is responsible for the tone he has set and the rules of engagement he has consistently used. These are his people, whether it's inconvenient to acknowledge it or not. The Democrats are already circulating strategy memos for a future with Jordan as Speaker. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is advising party members and candidates to hang Jim Jordan out around the necks of their Republican rivals like an albatross in upcoming elections, portraying the whole party as beholden to radicals. The two-page memo says there are no more moderates left in the Republican conference and provides key examples of Jordan's extremism. Jordan is just giving them more ammunition with the tactics being employed on his behalf. 
A Jordan supporter, Dan Crenshaw of Texas, warned, It's terrible. I dare say you're not really a Jordan ally if those are the tactics you're using, because it's completely counterproductive. He's right. It's not working. What this has done is hardened opposition, not broken it down. In round two of voting, Jordan did worse. The Democrats, again, delivered 212 votes for Hakeem Jeffries, and Jim Jordan got 199. The following seven members voted for Steve Scalise, with the Appropriations Committee PAC staying the course. Mike Kelly switched his vote from Scalise last time to someone else this time. Drew Ferguson voted for Jordan last time, but voted for Scalise this time. The members are Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida, Tony Gonzalez of Texas, Kay Granger of Texas, John Rutherford of Florida, Mike Simpson of Idaho, Steve Womack of Arkansas, and Drew Ferguson of Georgia. Kevin McCarthy lost a vote and only got five this time. Doug LaMalfa switched his vote to Jim Jordan. Don Bacon of Nebraska, Lori Chavez de Ramer of Oregon, Carlos Jimenez of Florida, Jennifer Kiggins of Virginia, Mike Lawler of New York. The New York crew's support for former member Lee Zeldin was unchanged with Anthony D'Esposito, Andrew Garbarino, and Nick Lalotta voting for him. Jake Elsey of Texas continued to support his fellow Appropriation Committee member Mike Garcia, and Ken Buck of Colorado again supported Tom Emmer. We had some new players, too. Florida's Verm Buchanan voted for fellow Floridian Byron Donalds. Marionette Miller-Meeks of Iowa voted for Kay Granger. Minnesota's Pete Stauber voted for Bruce Westerman. And there were two votes for non-House members as well. John James of Michigan voted for former House member Candace Miller, who resigned in 2016. Mike Kelly, who supported Steve Calise last round, instead voted for retired former Speaker John Boehner, which caused some laughter on the floor. The Democrats, who closed ranks to back Hakeem Jeffries, say they are still open to some kind of agreement with, quote, traditional Republicans. And Jeffries reiterated they were still open to the idea of further empowering interim Speaker Patrick McHenry, saying, I have respect for Patrick McHenry. I think he is respected on our side of the aisle, Jeffries said Tuesday. He added, there are a whole host of other Republicans who are respected on our side of the aisle. Jim Jordan is not one of them. McHenry, however, is not on board with anything like that. He is focused on electing a permanent Republican speaker, saying, we need to get this done. Two sources told CNN, though, that GOP interest in the idea is growing. Two voices of support of that are former speakers Newt Gingrich and John Boehner. Jordan dismissed this idea, saying, quote, No one in our conference wants to see any type of coalition government with the Democrats. He doubled down with, The American people don't want that. The July Pew Research poll disagrees with him. Only 33% of respondents had a favorable view of the House. 64% had an unfavorable view. That's before the budget crisis, before the near-government shutdown, and before the debacle around vacating the Speaker of the House. That certainly would not improve the numbers. The Senate scored even lower, though. 32% approve, 65% disapprove. Jordan intends to keep running until January and backtracked on the idea yesterday to empower McHenry. And he floated the idea to gauge interest among the Republicans. The meeting went badly. It was reported that member Michael Boast of Illinois actually lunged at Florida's Matt Getz, the member who started this ball rolling when he called for the motion to vacate former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Exiting the room, Wisconsin's Mike Gallagher said he was, quote, heading to a chapel to get a rosary. Well, today, Jim Jordan tried, again, and failed, again, to secure the votes needed to become Speaker. In fact, he lost more votes, again. 
Hakeem Jeffries got 210 votes. Jordan got 194. The Republican opposition cast 25 votes for other names. Scalise got 8. Kevin McCarthy only got 2 votes this time. Support for Emmer, Garcia, and Westerman stayed at 1 each. Votes for Donald doubled to 2. And the Zeldin Club added a new member, bringing his count up to 4. Patrick McHenry received 6 votes this time around, and he seemed embarrassed as he read his own vote count to the laughter of the members on the floor. As I type up this script, adding this new information as the live stream rolls, Matt Getz and the rest of the group of eight that voted against Kevin McCarthy are speaking on the steps of the House, saying that they will accept whatever punishment the resistance members want for them to get the votes Jordan needs to become Speaker. Getz offered, quote, a pound of flesh with censure, loss of committee assignments, and even removal from the Republican conference on the table. They and other Republican lawmakers were on their way to an afternoon conference where one of the topics suggested was a vote for if Jordan should remain the nominee. A potential additional twist to the Jordan campaign to become Speaker is the small chance he may be indicted as an accessory after the fact regarding his vocal support of former President Trump's attempt to reverse the 2020 election in his favor. If prosecutors decide to pursue Jordan on his statements and actions following the election to encourage and support Trump's claims and efforts to undermine the results and prevent certification of them, they would have to demonstrate he was part of a larger conspiracy. Former prosecutor Glenn Kirshner said Department of Justice Special Counsel Jack Smith could launch, quote, a scorched earth investigation into Jordan's role. That would be quite embarrassing and further destabilize an already shaky house if Jordan is able to ram his candidacy through. In this increasingly um, interesting speaker's race, when you have Republicans like Texas Rep Troy Nails trying to nominate former President Donald Trump for speaker, it got more interesting. When Democrat Brad Shermer of California on Forbes Newsroom this week suggested nominating former President George W. Bush for speaker, saying he could come back, adding, obviously I'm not a real fan of how the Iraq war went, but it, I would think that any reasonable Republican would be somebody that Democrats could work with. The speaker does not have to be a member of the House, just nominated by a member. This is where we're at, people. This silliness. This story was still developing as I approached the normal post time for the podcast. I opted to hold off, and I'm glad I did. It looks like Jim Jordan and friends finally got the message, and after the afternoon meeting and the results of a vote there, he dropped out of the running. It's still very early into the weekend, so much is up in the air. We'll see what progress the Republicans will make Saturday and Sunday, and I'll provide an update on the Monday morning podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a comment here and on Podchaser. It helps us know how we're doing and what topics you'd like to hear in the future. Have a great day.